Thank you, Heavenly Father. We praise your name. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning will we seek him and read his word and praise his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Amen. Heavenly Father, give us joy in your word as we read your word today for November the 26th. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see the beauty of your word and the youthfulness and the reward of reading your word. Thank you for enlightening us and carrying us and making a difference in our lives. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Amen. We plead the blood. We plead the blood over these words, over our readings, over our day today in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Welcome to today's reading of 365 Bible reading for November 26th. Starting with Daniel chapter 2, verse 24, to chapter 3, verse 30. Here we go. Then Daniel went in to see Ariok, whom the king had ordered to execute the wise man of Babylon. Daniel said to him, Don't kill the wise man. Take me to the king, and I will tell him the meaning of his dream. Ariok quickly took Daniel to the king and said, I have found one of the captives from Judah who will tell the king the meaning of his dream. The king said to Daniel, also known as Beltes Hassar, Is this true? Can you tell me what my dream was and what it means? Daniel replied, There are no wise men, enchanters, magicians, or fortune tellers who can reveal the king's secret. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets, and he has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the future. How will I tell you your dream Now I will tell you, excuse me, now I will tell you your dream and the visions you saw as you lay on your bed. While your majesty was sleeping, you dreamed about coming events. He who reveals secrets has shown you what is going to happen. And it is not because I am wiser than anyone else. I know the secret of your dream, but because God wants you to understand what was in your heart? In your vision, your, your majesty, you saw standing before you a huge, shiny statue of a man. It was a frightening sight. The head of the statue was made of fine gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its belly and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were a combination of iron and baked clay. As you watch, a rock was cut from a mountain, but not by human hands. It struck the feet of iron and clay, smashing them to bits. The whole statue was crushed into small pieces of iron, clay, bronze, silver, and gold. Then the wind blew them away without a trace, like a shaft on a threshing floor. But the rock that knocked the statue down became a great mountain that covered the whole earth. That was a dream. Now we'll, now we will tell the king what it means. Your majesty, you are the greatest of kings. The God of heaven has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and honor. He has made you the ruler over all the inhabitants of the world. And he has put even the wild animals and birds under your control. 
You are the head of gold. But after your kingdom comes to an end, another kingdom inferior to yours will rise to take your place. After that kingdom has fallen, yet a third kingdom, represented by bronze, will rise to rule the world. The following that kingdom, there will be a fourth one, as strong as iron. That kingdom will smash and crush all previous empires, just as iron smashes and crushes everything it strikes. The feet and toes you saw were a combination of iron and baked clay, showing that this kingdom will be divided like iron mixed with clay. It will have some of the strength of iron, but while some parts of it will be as strong as iron, other parts will be as weak as clay. This mixture of iron and clay also show that these kingdoms will try to strengthen themselves by forming alliances with each other through intermarriage, but they will not hold together, just as iron and clay do not mix. During the reigns of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. It will crush all these kingdoms into nothingness, and it will stand forever. This is the meaning of the rock cut from the mountains, though not by human hands that crushed to pieces. The statue of iron, bronze, clay, silver, and gold, the great God was showing the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true and its meaning is certain. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him, and he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings, a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole providence of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all of the affairs of the providence of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the court's king, in the king's court. Excuse me. Like Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue ninety, King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue ninety feet tall and ninety feet wide. Excuse me. <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue ninety feet tall and nine feet wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers. Official governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the providence officials to come to the dedication of the statue he has set up. So all the officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald shouted out, People of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the cytre, the lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bow to the ground and worship the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. You issue a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, flute, cytre, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. 
They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. He commanded that the furnace be heated up seven times hotter than usual. Then he ordered some of the strongest men in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to throw them into the furnace, blazing as it is. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king and his anger, he demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was sing, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise to God of Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego. I said, Praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb and their houses will be turned into a heap of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the providence of Babylon. Amen and amen. Dreams, now we will study the study on uh, Daniel chapter 2, verses 24 to 47, from the New Living Testament, 365 daily reading. It says, Dreams were considered to be the messages from the gods, and the astrologers were expected to interpret them. In this case, Nebuchadnezzar asked them 
not only to interpret his dreams, but to tell him what the dream had been. This was humanly impossible. But God stepped in and revealed the dream and its meaning to Daniel. Before Daniel told the king anything else, he gave credit to God, explaining that he did not know the dream through his own wisdom, but only because God revealed it. In the end, Nebuchadnezzar honored Daniel and Daniel's God. If Daniel had taken the credit himself, the king would have honored only Daniel because Daniel gave God the credit. The king honored both of them. How easily we take credit for what God does through us. This robs God of the honor that the, he alone deserves. Instead, we should be like Daniel and point people to God so that we give him the glory. Part of our mission in this world is to show unbelievers what God is like. We can do that by acts of love and compassion. And if we give God credit for our actions, they will want to know him too. Beautiful, beautiful reading. I must add that they trusted in God to deliver them. Spirit, soul, and body. But even though if he didn't, they would still not bow down to the graven image. It's, uh, it's amazing how Nebuchadnezzar flickers from one, one rage to another and with pride and ego throws his weight around. You would think the first lesson would have been enough for him to honor the God in heaven for interpreting the dream. But then after a while, pride and ego has set up his own, own thing. So how much of that do I do that do not give God the credit? One of the ways that I remind myself is, I thank God. I thank God for this difficulty. Somehow God will get glory out of it. I thank God. So, trusting is a big one. Trusting is a big issue for me to let go and let God and trust Him in that area. Let's go ahead and look up Daniel again. See if I miss anything that, that needs to be brought out. I think the, the word trust in, in other, in Spanish is confidence. I put my confidence in the Lord God and wait upon Him. Amen. Put our trust in the Lord. Put our confidence in the Lord. And He, he will stay strong on our behalf. Amen. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Hallelujah. Holy, holy, holy. Praise His holy name. Praise the name of Jesus. Glory, glory, glory to God in the highest. Holy, holy is His name. The Lord be magnified. The Lord be manifested in our lives. Daniel wisely gave God the credit for the interpretation of the dream. He could easily have told Nebuchadnezzar that he knew the dream, thus elevating himself above all the counselors. But he acknowledged God and his power. God works in our lives to bringing recovery where once there was pain and despair. Have we given God the credit for our recovery or we have, have we told others we did it on our own? We need to follow Daniel's ex example and give God the credit. In this vision, a prominent theme of, it's the prominent theme of the book of Daniel is introduced. God is ultimately in control even over seemingly unshakable human power. This passage provides the framework for interpreting all of Daniel's prophetic visions. 
but it also tells us that God will defeat those who are against his people. He will establish his kingdom for those who follow his ways. Amen. I think one of my, uh, you know, one of, we were talking about how ego, I'm Fernando, how ego gets in the way so much. So apparently ego is for a healthy confidence in God. A healthy a tool for us to have pride, ego, uh, anger. The Bible says, you know, be angry, but sin not. In other words, speak in honesty. You know, seeking in a way that the Lord be glorified in our daily actions. Acknowledging the Lord in all our actions, and He shall direct our steps. It could be easily be as said, Well, praise God. You know, I prayed and God delivered me, or God brought me to this position. Then I go into my discord of explanation uh, how God moved in mysterious and wonderful ways His accomplishments. You know, He gave me the strength I asked. You know, I was in a bewildered state, and the Lord brought me out. So worthy is his holy name. The Lord has given us common sense to find ways to acknowledge him before people. The Lord has given us common sense to put humbleness again against ego, to be humble and to realize that thank God for our egos, thank God for our pride, Thank God for our anger. Thank God for our selfishness. For only then can I uh, be aware of them and use them when the, in their proper function when I need them. I need to take pride in what God has given me and taking care of it. I need, I need to have ego in... Uh, in searching the scriptures, in searching the word of God? I don't know. What do you think? It has to be there for a good purpose, guys. It couldn't be uh, all, you know, sin. It's, it's for our delight, thus says the Holy Spirit. It's for our delight, for us to be curious of life and have fun. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today's reading. We ask you, Lord God, that you keep us open hearts, Lord God, and how to move forward and use the right tools properly. We praise you. We thank you for being Lord of our lives, King of kings and Lord of lords. We thank you that all power belongs unto my Father in heaven. All power belongs unto the Lord Jesus Christ. And all power belongs unto the Holy Spirit. Be it unto us, Lord, according to thy word. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us ears to hear. Eyes to see what your word tells us. Tells us about honesty and lying. Because, Lord, sometimes lying can become a way of life. We may even lie to ourselves, pretending we don't have problems with lying. <laughs> we may have learned to cover up our problems by becoming excellent liars. But when we choose to face reality, Lord, we will see how the unhappiness caused by our lives and the situations they put us and how they hurt us and hurt the loved ones around us. Only when we, I can stop lying can God begin to bring blessings and changes into my life. I think about these verses. Does anyone want to live life that is long and prosperous? then I must keep my tongue from speaking evil and my lips from telling lies. That's in Psalms 34, verse 12 and 13. The Bible also in Colossians 3, 9 and 10, it says, Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. Is he heard me? 
that I may know my Creator and become like Him. Colossians 3, 9, 10. And again, in 1 Peter 3, 10, it says, If I want to be happy to enjoy life and see many happy days, I must keep my tongue from speaking evil and my lips from telling lies. You know, there are great benefits, Lord, to honesty. What other virtue is accompanied by such promise? Telling the truth is vital to recovery. Since lying may be second nature to us, it may be difficult to change. Part of any successful life and recovering involves guarding our lips and our thoughts from lies that will hurt us and others. Since lying may have been lifelong way of coping, we must accept that learning to tell the truth may involve hard work. Amen. That's a excerpts from a recovery principle devotional on honesty from the Recovery Bible, New Living Testament. Okay, I thought that was cool. You know, uh, honesty is like a GPS. You say, hey, I'm going against the GPS. I must go ahead and stop and, and let the GPS take its way and take me through the humble, which looks like the GPS is taking us the wrong way or is putting us in traffic. But the GPS is saying, you know, this is the best route. The other one takes too many turns. You go too long. And that's the dishonest way. The honest way is to say, Uncle, I need instructions. I, I, I'm, I'm probably suffering today is the main point because of my lying. I am in the position where if I were to confess, I wouldn't, the suffering will stop. The ignorance will stop. The freedom will start. The joy will start. I need to uh, confess and say, Uncle, I did it. I lied about it. I stole it. I connived it. And go through the process of flush, getting red in the face, confess it to somebody, Fourth and fifth step, let it go. Let God be God in our lives. And then walk into freedom. Walk into joy. Walk into laughter. And living life to the fullest and to the max. I wonder if there's any lies or any undisclosed fourth step in me. A lie is a fourth step that hasn't been uncovered. Hasn't been discarded. Hasn't been disclosed. That's why a thorough inventory is good of asking the Holy Spirit, where where was I a liar, a cheater, a conniver? Where was I untruthful, unwilling to take responsibility, and all that? I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, part of being a Christian is... is, is um, Honesty and truth is our primary new skills, new skills. I knew I was a liar when I came into Christ. I was a liar and a thief, and it was easily evident to me. I can see it. And I had a hard time getting rid of it. If you would say the, the sky is gray, I would say it's dark blue. Anyway... Today's reading is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 5.14. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Let's go ahead and pray again. Father God, Lord, you are our shepherd. We shall not want. You make us lie down in green pastures, and you lead us beside the still waters. Lord, you restore our souls, and you make us study in words of righteousness for your name's sake. In your name we pray. Amen. That's pretty good, huh? All right, First Peter chapter 4, like I said, to chapter 514. Beginning on verse 7. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. 
Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. God has given you each a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through as if something strange was happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. But it is not but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. For the time has come for judgment, and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right and trust your lives. Thrust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. And now a word to you who are elders in the church. Okay, I'm going to stop right there and comment on that before I go any further. I just want to comment on 19 right now. Not just, I got other comments. We can do a lot of reading. 19 says, So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, Keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. I want to emphasize the, the word trust. How do you thrust? Same word. How do you push or how do you acknowledge the God who created you, that he will never fail you? By thanking him for the problem. If we back up... Uh, you know, we have the accomplishments of Jesus Christ in a nutshell. You know, when Jesus asked the Father to glorify his name in John chapter 5, I believe, or chapter 7, he said, glorify thy name, Father. And Father said, I have glorified my name already, and I will do so again. So we see that it goes in our, our lives. We say, God, glorify your name, and... In the suffering, we instead be very glad, in verse 13, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have a, the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. You know, the, the best way to get out of suffering is to start praising and thanking God. Not that you're suffering, that Jesus has the victory and just go through it. It's almost similar to the swats we used to get in Virgil Junior High School. You know when you get a, you do something wrong and you get a swat? And we're usually suffering because of our big mouths, suffering because of our laziness. We haven't read the Bible and we planted evil words from the television. And that's why we're suffering, folks. Uh, good words are carriers. God's words will keep us safe. So what's the best way to uh, get back? 
14 says, So be happy when you're insulted for being a Christian. For then the glorious Spirit of God rests upon you. Amen. If you suffer, however, it must not be for murder, stealing, making trouble, or prying into other people's affairs. Prying into other people's affairs. Amen. But it's not a shame to suffer for being a Christian. Praise God for the privilege of being called by His name. Amen. So, you know the best way? Get into the victory of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all I got to say about that. Enough of that. And try to put a spin on it. Get into the fact of praising and thanking God. Especially if you're suffering. Use it as a catalyst. Use it as fuel. Put it in the incinerator of praise. Amen. Commentary on 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 through 19. The Recovery Bible says, Real love for others requires that we face our own sinfulness and consider the well-being of those who have wronged we have wrong in the past. In many cases, this means humbly and sincerely asking the people we have offended for forgiveness. Sometimes we may need to take the further step of making amends. Of course, restitutions, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't realize that God has given us, each of us, a special and unique abilities. Discovering these gifts is part of our recovery. It is a process of learning to esteem ourselves and receive respect and encouragement from God and from other people. And then we can pass on God's blessings to others, relying on his strength to enable us to use the gift he has given us. Peter returned to a central theme of his letter. We should not only expect to experience trials, but we should also rejoice in them. Through our difficulty circumstances, we receive opportunities to share in Christ's victory through his suffering. Remember when the Father, when Jesus was nervous about going to the cross, he was getting closer and he asked the Father to to give him encouragement, he said, Father, glorify thy name. And the Father from heaven said, I have glorified my name, and I will once again glorify it again. So when we're going through trials and situations, we say the same thing. Father, glorify your name in our lives as we go through this situation. Amen. We have to acknowledge and praise God. And start leaning on the victory that Jesus has on the other side of that of that glory. So if we're going to experience a, a suffering for being, you know, it's usually for our own big mouths, wrong choices, and lazy living that we're suffering. Isn't that right? What was our part? We didn't read and read. You know, if you go to jails and institutions and prisons, especially penitentiaries, they have one common thing. They don't read. They have a small vocabulary. Can you imagine us that we have in junior high school that we would have a large vocabulary and we will know the Word of God left and right, forward and backwards? What a life do you think that we would have grown from there? It is my opinion is those bad words and bad criticism and judgment and defending ourselves and not learning to trust God that I got myself into more trouble. Hello, anyone there? <laughs> we need wisdom to know the difference between suffering for our own sins and suffering for doing what is right. If we ask for wisdom, God will grant it. When we suffer because of our own sins or, or, or words, you know, sins can be what we talked about, we naturally feel shame and need divine courage to help us change. When we are persecuted for our Christian conduct or godly character, we can rejoice in the suffering. 
In this case, we need divine serenity to help us accept the things we cannot change. And one of the ways is to is to write it down. I am easily and happily praising God for the ridicule that's coming my way. I am easily and happily praising the Lord for the ridicule coming my way. If you write it and you put it in a 3 by 5 card, uh, we will be glorifying God. The fact is that we need, we need to be remind our self-pity, our the little child in us, to be fortified. We're training ourselves to have rhinoceros skin, okay? To be wiser than the average bear. To not be a boo-boo. Amen. So those are the qualities that we have that I believe, I believe God is bringing us to a gold attitude that we're like gold. Gold gets purified seven times over. Purification. With, with gratitude and thanksgiving, our purification process will go easier and it won't have to happen again. We don't have to keep on learning your lessons over and over again. One of the indicators that you're you're not learning your lesson is you're talking about your problems over and over again. And we're going around the mountain of discouragement. It does not working. There's no satisfaction. It's to stop and climb the mountain and get to the top and start thanking and praising God for the victory in the cross. Imagine the cross. There is power, victory, healing, resources in praising and thanking Him on top of the cross. Your body's going to fight you. Your mind's going to fight you. The devil's going to help you fight yourself. The people around you, the situations, the poor me attitude's going to fight you. So you have to make a commitment. Step three says, I give my life and my will, my actions, over to the care of God as I understand Jesus Christ who died on the cross for my sins and for all my nonsense. Amen. Amen. Let me go ahead and read one more. It says, The Narrow Road. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to others and to practice these principles in all our affairs. We probably came into the Lord because we had enough of life or there was no other way to turn to or we had nothing to lose. Why not? You know, we had intelligent people come to us and tell us about the Lord and we said no. And then we finally said, if you really tally up how many intelligent, wise uh, people with weight were telling us to serve the Lord God. And those were messengers. And finally, we had to get all the way into a, a position where we had no choice but to say yes. We probably came into, into this situation because we had enough. We had enough of the pains, the lies, and the destruction resulted from our addictive behavior. One day at a time, we learned the principles on the road to recovery. Now we are at a place we weren't sure we could ever reach. Step 12. Now we are encouraged to share the message with others, even though not everyone will welcome it. Peter points out, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality, their lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you are no longer plunged into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. That's in 1 Peter 4, 3 and 4. Jesus said, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gate to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. Matthew seven thirteen fourteen. 
Our message won't be accepted by the masses. The people on the highway to hell won't eagerly restrict themselves to the clearly defined steps on the road to recovery. Again, our message won't be accepted by the masses. The people on the highway to hell won't eagerly restrict themselves to the clear defined steps on the road to recovery. But for those who do listen, for those of us who do listen, our stories could be different between life and death for them. Amen. You know, if you say, if you want to suffer, oh, I'm in this wheelchair because I'm suffering for my kids. You know, part of it was my sins. Now I'm suffering. You know, it's kind of like Job. He would sacrifice to God for the sins of his kids, lest they offend God. Well, God, God, their sins killed them anyway. And then Job said, what did he say? God is the giver of life. God is the taker of life. Praise be the Father of glory. Praise be the Father, the God of all creation. So bless his holy name. I deal with a lot of people. A lot of people say, well, you know, if I can talk to God, I can really straighten him out, you know. Or, or God is playing a game with us, you know. And all it is is just laziness of not reading the word and working on oneself. Not, it's getting too close and, and lying in denial and not surrendered. Amen. Plenty of evidence and mercy and kindness God has given us. To not, not to, so don't worry. Just keep praising him and say, I thank you, God, I'm a misfit. I thank you, God, I messed up. Thank you, God, I'm in this position. All sorts of remarkable things will happen when we do that. Great events, wonders, and miraculous signs and wonders will God perform on our behalf. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we're halfway through. What development? Thanking God for a runaway child. Thank you, God, for a sin. Thank you, God, for a lie. Thank you, God, for, for the drinking, the craziness. We will be amazed before we're halfway through on the project. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you, lift up his count, and give you peace. Amen. Let me go ahead and finish reading the... Uh, the, the second portion, the last portion of chapter 5 on First Timothy says, And now a word to you who are elders in the church, Chess. I too am an elder and witness to the suffering of Christ, and I too will share in his glory when he is revealed to the whole world. As a follower, follow elder, I appeal to you, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you, Watch over it willingly, willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord it over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own example. And when the great shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. In the same way, you younger men must accept the authority of the elders and all of you serve each other in humility. For God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Amen. That's where we praise the Lord. Because we are under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift us up in honor to glorify his name. And we give all our worries and cares to God, implied actions, by praising him. That's our implied actions, for he cares about you. You can't say, God, I give you all my worries, and turn on the TV. I give you all my worries, and be talking about the problem, and... And, and gossiping and t 
You got to make a choice, folks. You got to see it, see the scripture through by praising God that the true, the honesty and the truth of the word comes forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So you, after you have suffered a little while, child, he will restore support and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation all power to him forever and ever. Amen. There's there's the reason why we go through situations, folks. There's the reason why we, you know, you can suffer by reading the word of God. Open it up for an hour or two a day. And, and, and it's sacrificed for you. You got so many things to do. You, you know, you got to take the time to read it. And that's suffering a little while. But he will restore support and strengthen you because he loves you and he will place you on a firm foundation because he loves you all power to him forever and ever amen a lot of us are speaking through what we call experience i was told to read first john one chapter one through five and I was I read in addition to that I read John fourteen fifteen sixteen and seventeen for a year, and and now what happened? I stand on a firm foundation. All power to the Lord forever and ever, Amen. Paul goes on to say, I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I command to you as a faithful brother. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Again, my purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace. Then for you, stand firm in his in this grace. Isn't that interesting? He calls troubles grace. What, what they're experiencing, he calls it grace. You, you know, that's the uh, the only way to for us to get mercy and grace is by having a problem. Why would we need mercy if we didn't have a problem? Why would we need God's grace if we didn't have a problem? So get into the answer and get through the education as fast as you can by praising him and thanking him for every hiccup, every stubbed toe, every problem that comes along the way. Verse 13, your sister church here in Babylon sends you greeting. So does my son Mark. Greet each other with Christian love. Peace be with you all who are in Christ. Amen. And now, let's go ahead and finish up with uh, express our heartache to God and commit ourselves to trusting in His plans. You know, one way to do it is to, uh, it's kind of unjustifiable to scream and yell at God for a situation that we got ourselves into it, but He allows it, like King David, you know. Praising God and thanking Him or, you know, screaming to God. God, can't you see this? I prayed and it's not working. My kids are running amok. I'm alone. Express your heartache to God. Tell them the truth. God, we have a bunch of knuckleheads at work we got to deal with. They hate you. They hate the Christians. And they ridicule us, God. I want to lash out in rage to them. But you want me to lift up the principles of humbleness? I don't know how to be humble. I don't know how to... I'd rather just express the words of what 
Honesty and courage is. You know, call a duck a duck. In Jesus' name. <laughs> but I praise you and I thank you, Lord, that your name be glorified in this situation. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Psalms 119, 18 and 96 says, I am worn out waiting for your, the Lord's rescue, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes are straining to see your promises come true. When will you comfort me? I am shriveled like a wineskin in the smoke, but I have not forgotten to obey your decrees. How long must I wait? When will you punish those who persecute me? Those arrogant people who hate your instructions have dug deep pits to trap me. All your commands are trustworthy. Protect me from those who hunt me down without a cause. They almost finished me off, but I refuse to abandon your commandments. In your unfailing love, spare my life. Then I can continue to obey your laws. Your eternal word, O Lord, stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness extends to every generation. As enduring as the earth you created, your regulations remain true to this day. For everything serves your plans. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. I will never forget your commandments, for by them you give me life. I am yours. Rescue me, for I have worked hard at obeying your commandments. Though the wicked hide along the way to kill me, I will quietly keep my mind on your laws. Even perfection has its limits, but your commands have no limits. Amen. I want to bring back the attention on verse 92. If your instructions hadn't sustained me with joy, I would have died in my misery. How many times a day do we die in our misery? Because we're not using the instructions the Lord has said. The Lord has plainly said, rejoice when people say bad things about it. Rejoice when they're persecuted. Rejoice for they did this to the prophets and me. Amen. Rejoice. Just follow instructions. Praise God for the attacks. Praise God for our mistakes. Praise the Lord for our nonsense. And then his pre-sense will go with us in front of us. And we will make less mistakes. It's our own doing, folks. You stop your, let us stop our whimpering and grow up. If, our, if the Lord's instruction had to sustain us with joy, remember, joy comes from heaven. That's what the reward we get when we praise God for a burning sensation. I would have died in my misery. I don't want to die in my misery. Amen. Proverbs 28, 15 and 16 says, A wicked ruler is as dangerous to the poor as a roaring lion or an attacking bear. A ruler with no understanding will oppress his people. But one who hates corruption will have a long life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Early in the morning will we praise Him and seek Him. Let's go ahead and pray out with the uh, The Lord is my shepherd prayer. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me to the streams of still waters. He restores my soul. The Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The Lord anoints my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen and amen.
Keep coming back, folks. It's working.